Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to tune in once again. I know I haven't published anything in a couple of weeks, which I owe you all an apology for that. I have so many things going on in my life. If if you've been following the podcast and if you have listened to every episode up until now, then you know there's retirement going on for my husband, moving, still trying to figure out where we're going to live. We did decide to stay in El Paso a little bit longer, but we've yet to find a house. So that's been a little bit stressful. And then also, of course, on top of all of that, homeschooling for the kids. So it's been a bit chaotic, but I'm back and I'm really excited about today's episode. I had Angel on the podcast and she is a member of Sunrise El Paso. Sunrise El Paso is a movement here in the border city who's just, I mean, each member is basically determined to fight climate crisis. That's what this group is about. But I was very excited to hear about the projects they've been working on and just the future of where I seeing this movement going forward. It was very, you know, very exciting to hear all of it. Angel was, like I said, very kind, very gracious. And I hope you all enjoy as much as I did listening to everything she had to say. I can see you. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I can see you now. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Actually, um, we'll see at the end of this conversation how well I really am doing because my husband's doing a fast for five days, like nothing, nothing like religious related or anything. He just he's having like a lot of health issues and he's like, I'm going to see if I can like sort of reboot my body, reset it. And I thought, oh, what if I do it? Let's see what happens to me. So I haven't had any food. I've only had hot tea. So we'll see at the end of this how well I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of those before, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He says it's like there's. he's seen there's a lot of benefits to it. So I don't know. We'll see. Welcome, Angel, to the podcast. I We've never met, but I do know a little bit of just a little bit about your organization or the organization you're a part of, which I do want to get into so that our listeners can see what it's all about, what it is that your projects are, you know, what, what it is that your organization is trying to do for the community. But before we get into that, I would like to know maybe a little bit about you. Like, are you from El Paso? I am. So I was born in El Paso. My family left to Biloxi, Mississippi when I was like <laughs> years old. Uh, and then we lived there. I went to elementary there. And then we moved back when I was about seven or eight. I lived in El Paso up until I was 19. And then I left for college in Austin, Texas. And then I came when I was 22. And I've been here ever since. Cool. So the rest of your family is here. They did stay back. Yeah, they did. Okay. Wow. Mississippi, that must have been like a cultural clash. Yes. I even just like the geography of Mississippi is a lot more different than El Paso. We left right before Hurricane Katrina hit. We didn't know it was going to hit, but we left. Pro yeah, literally right before that happened. And it took our house or the apartment complex that we lived. Oh. And, yeah, and so that's not standing anymore. So we got really lucky in that, but a lot of stepdad's family 
uh, was still in Picayune, Mississippi when it hit. So a lot of them were affected by that. But yeah, <laughs> I still go. I actually still visit Mississippi and the Gulf for oh, um, okay, back there sometimes, and so that's really nice. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and then you went. You say you went to college, right, Austin? You said. Yeah. Okay. And what what is it that you studied there? So I graduated with a bachelor's of art in sociology, and then I got a minor in psychology. And so the sociology is what really put me into a lot of community organizing work and yeah. really figuring out or um, thinking about how social dynamics work, especially economic statuses. And whatnot, and um, or demographically, where clusters of marginalized people live, and and then how that affects what the build out around them and whatnot. And so I do credit a lot of my knowledge to this organizing work uh, to my degree. Yeah, the the organization that you are a part of. Are you like a founding member, or this is something that you? learned about and then because of your interest already you know with like your studies and what you were already experiencing firsthand did you decide to join after yeah so sunrise El, El paso was formed in 2019 and i was not a founding member but i did join shortly after so it was formed officially in september of 2019 and i joined probably about november or december um, after i came home from college it was through my studies in the organizing work that I started in Austin, Texas, that made me want to become a part of Sunrise El Paso. I had never really seen anyone do environmental work in, in this. In El Paso. I think that's why I'm really excited about that, because I did hear about the organization back at the launching, I guess, party celebration for Justicia Fronteriza. I was there. Yeah. And so I believe he's one of the founding members. I may be wrong. I can't remember his name right now, but he did mention the organization that you're a part of. And I think what caught my attention immediately was, again, like you I had never really seen that type of movement in the city. It's almost like we're a little bit behind in terms of organizing when it comes to like climate change and climate charters and all that. But another thing that caught my attention that I was really, really interested in is that it's it's Latinx led. I don't know. I'm, I'm an older person. I don't want to say, I don't want to think I'm old, but you know, I'm older than you definitely. <laughs> and I think that people my age and older still have difficulties changing their lifestyle or changing things in their surroundings because maybe they don't really, I don't know if it's that they don't believe climate is really changing or maybe it's just like, oh, it's so far away, we shouldn't even worry about it. I, I don't know what the thought process there is. Um, so I like that, that it's calling to our specific community, right? Like a Hispanic community, Latinx community. But I also really was excited to see that it's a lot of young people that are doing the work. That gets me really excited when I see young people, because you guys have the energy. You haven't been, I guess, as knocked around by life, <laughs> you know, that you guys have this like energy. And that got me really excited. <laughs> yeah. 
but we're not so cynical yet. Yeah, <laughs> you're you, you're still very hopeful, which I will say, even at my age, I still am hopeful. So it's very it's a few of us, but you know, I do see the the older you you get, you're like things are never going to change. Things are never, you know what I mean? And you, and, and they do change though. They do change because if I look back from where we are now to when I was a lot younger, a lot of things have changed. It's just very slow progress. And that's the tiring process, I think. So what I noticed as well is that in our culture, we also just don't have the time or the means to organize. Like sometimes we're just surviving or at least my, my family just worked to survive you know and so they couldn't necessarily focus on on these things and so I think what we see a lot in the group is also breaking a generational pattern of going or of keeping the status quo kind of like giving your life up to work a lot of us actually do this now so apart from volunteering with Sunrise El Paso I do work for uh, an organization called Earthworks and so does one of our other organizers within Sunrise El Paso and that gives us the opportunity to focus on like, these changes that we want to make while also um, giving us a means to survive and I think that's something that we're going to see a lot more often getting people that really care into these positions especially frontline people mm-hmm. so I think I would consider myself and my colleague as well uh, frontline along with the other people in Sunrise El Paso. Uh, we live in a city that it, there's four gas plants in and around the, the city. And so there are definitely communities that are closer and to in proximity to these gas plants. But, but it, it affects us all. At- exactly. We do have other demographics within the group as well, but is primarily Latina, yeah, Latina. Oh, okay. I didn't know that because I just like what I found. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm not trying to exclude anybody. That's that's cool though. I think, you know, we go back to just that that energy and that boldness that comes with this new generation, right? And And I've talked to a lot of guests actually that have been here and I even see it with my own children. There's this, there's this like, boldness to them I'm not gonna put up with like your shit anymore you know what I mean like and and I don't even think that like you that there's any disrespect behind it there's really just like we're so tired of how things have worked Mm -hmm. and we're done and I think that that's like the exciting part of it like this young driven organization that's like committed to see change right and to help everyone around them that's really exciting yeah tired of hierarchies tired of like corporate power over people that aren't profiting off of what they're profiting and don't have their money but yeah i do see that too i do see that shit that's exciting as a matter of fact i'm i was hoping because i have my oldest is about to turn 18 and i was like i need i want them to be around people who are going to be feeding their spirit you know, in a really positive way. So I was actually thinking maybe I should take them to a few meetings. (laughs) Yeah, and get them involved, you know. Yeah, we're going to be having some community meetings because it's very traumatizing work. We are all outside of our comfort zones. We're in our early to late 20s, if anything. We've never like really stood up to corporate (laughs) corporations are all kind of just like figuring out how to navigate life. And so there's a lot of trauma and hardships that come from it, but it's also very rewarding. 
writing. Yeah, I, I imagine it's shaping you in a really beautiful way, right? This is just figuring out life, but standing up to the bigger guy, which I think also in all and, you know, within our culture, I think that's something that without even maybe saying it to us, it was a message that was definitely relate to us. Like you don't stand out, you don't speak up, you don't speak out of place, you don't stay out of line, like you don't do anything that's going to cause chaos or bring attention to you. And I know that a lot of it has to do because a lot of our parents, you know, came here as immigrants. And so they just wanted to kind of keep a low profile and and just work and do the best that they could to survive but you know now with younger people they don't have to worry at least about that you know and so it's time to start breaking those like you said those generational curses really that I know they were necessary can't really blame them like you said they just needed to survive and do what they needed to just do what was in front of them at the time but you know it's time to start breaking them down for sure a hundred percent yep us standing up to the big players like El Paso Electric and those in the Permian feels nice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they know. <laughs> I ran into the CEO of El Paso Electric at the gym once and definitely recognized <laughs> They know who we are. And in city council, we see their flaws as well. And we call them out all the time. And we just you know, the city just rallied around removing the city manager. I know. I saw that and I was like, <gasps> he <Yep>. was pissed. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is understandable. But I mean, just again, how rewarding that the community really did that, you know. And I think that in seeing what you guys are doing at other community organizations, because there's so many that are growing, you know, for different aspects of our life here that affect our, our life. I, th I think another thing that it's giving us, the rest of us watching, is like almost like the confidence that you're not alone. Everything that you see, you don't have to go along with, right? And now there's people who are willing to like rally together and do this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there are people older than us who have stood up to corporation movements for me is Semeli from La Mujer Obrera. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to speak with her, but she is badass. Like she is <laughs> one that has probably stood up even in her time. She's a little older, but yeah, she organizes for the people of the Chamisal community uh, who live footsteps away from the Marathon Refinery. And so this has been fight for her all her life. It's, mm -hmm. She's but yeah, they're, they're like some some badass women or figures. Yeah, I mean, and I think they've always existed. The one or the few that would come together and stand up. But I think it's really nice to see the change of like, you no longer have to be the only one or the few sacrificing, you know. Um, and, and now it's like an actual movement, like a force of so many more people coming together. It's yeah. exciting. It is exciting. And I want to, you know, I want to jump in because this this is exciting and I don't want to take a lot of your time, but I do want you to really get into what it is that your organization is about. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? And what is like the most, I suppose, like the, the thing that's happening right now that everybody should be involved in? Yeah, so Sunrise El Paso um, started out with like two or three people in September of 2019. And the way they formed this was through the national climate strike uh, that was being led by Greta. 
who was also just started when she was 13 or so and became a huge figure in the environmental world. Actual co-founders, uh, Miguel Escoto and Dominic Chacon, they just rallied some people in a park. <laughs> and that's how they started Sunrise El Paso using the name of the national movement, the Sunrise Movement, who was responsible for doing the sit-ins, um, advocating for the Green New Deal. I know a lot of people credit Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for the Green New Deal, but it was really the people, the organizers in the Sunrise Movement. Would you say that she's just kind of like the bigger platform that lends a voice to push that forward? Yeah, that's what okay. I would say. Um, we, they created their own autonomous hub from the national movement, Sunrise El Paso. And <laughs> I don't know if they realized like the work that they'd be doing when they started, but they got involved with, and I say they, cause I wasn't involved at this time with the campaign against the buyout to JP Morgan. And so that's the, mm -hmm. of the uh, El Paso Electric Company by JP Morgan uh, through their infrastructure investment firm. And so Sunrise El Paso made a big deal about that. And they are the reason that a lot of the community knows what happened or why that was happening because city council was keeping it under wraps and mm -hmm. essentially knew the repercussions they, they would face with the buyout by the ratepayers, even if they had money in their pockets, it didn't necessarily, it wasn't a necessarily good thing, uh, a necessarily a good thing for the ratepayers. And I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you for a minute because that's actually a really good point. They did keep everything under wraps until, you know, obviously the community started like, or certain key members of the community started to like put out awareness like this is happening but for those of you know some of the listeners right now may not even know why this was a big deal and I don't know if you can as simply as you can just kind of give them a quick breakdown of why this mattered yeah so JP Morgan is one of the largest financiers of what we say the climate crisis so they have done this before where they purchase electric companies they do these insane fossil fuel projects that increase the taxes or like the, the dollars that we pay as ratepayers in the city and essentially they po it poisons the city you know it's moving fracking projects and all of these oil and gas projects throughout these these areas that in which they purchased these electric companies. And the reason they were interested in El Paso Electric is because of its immediate connection to the Permian Basin. So there are pipelines running from El Paso to the Permian Basin. Um, these are Kinder Morgan pipelines. And so it's just easy to get to get more fracked gas here. And so that's why they're so interested. I mean, it's money for those that profit, but right. good for us. And so Yeah, I guess that's as short as I can. Yeah, I know, I know that. Yeah, because like some people I know that were like, well, why is everybody so upset? Uh, and why is everybody so, or, you know, why is, why are these people so angry with the electric company? And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, aside from the fact that it continues to damage our climate, right? Your pockets are also going to be hit. And a lot of people may not care about climate change yet, yet, but they will care about their money, you know, yeah, their pockets. And so 
whichever side you stand on, whether you believe that the climate needs to be a priority or not, either way, this is going to, I mean, it's going to affect you either way. That's why city council kept it under wraps. And that was, I think, the first campaign for Sunrise El Paso. And I joined towards the end of that one. Mm. They did it. They did the buyout. And immediately after, probably a couple months later, they were trying, they pursued permissions to build so a permit they were seeking a permit to build what they would call newman six which would be an additional 228 megawatt fracked gas generator their already existing newman site in like the chaparral area Uh, that was an immediate effect of that buyout because they wanted to and they could after that Good, yes. And so this would have cost the city billions of dollars. It was on the county line of Texas and New Mexico. New Mexico had rejected the permit. And so Texas would have fronted all of the money should they should they get those permits. And then on top of that, more pollution, poisoning of the Chaparral community that lives within two miles of the gas plant. I mean, the wind blows those emissions that mm-hmm. way poisons their their land their gravel if you go over and visit them it's nothing but dirt roads so when they drive on these roads all the particular matter (laughs) kicks Mm -hmm. up it's bad and and the respiratory issue and the health issues in the chaparral community are they're there they're pertinent (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so we during this time i was actually hub coordinator of the group how was that it was daunting (laughs) (laughs) and we are not like a hierarchical group so we don't believe in there's like one person in control and so so you guys distribute like the work yeah okay the role the hub coordinator is more like a like a motivator uh, (laughs) a peacemaker uh kind of organizing the group, coordinating the group a bit, but they don't make decisions. The hub coordinator won't, hub coordinator won't like, yeah, make decisions without the group. They don't call for <laughs> anything that would just, they're just to protect the group essentially. And so okay. it's everyone and motivate everyone um, when the cynicism starts kicking in, cause it does. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I was heavily involved in this campaign and what we did was we collaborated with the the residents of that Chaparral neighborhood and created the Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and the Environment. And I hope I didn't butcher that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the help of Dr. David Garcia and his wife, Ida Garcia and their neighbors, we sued El Paso Electric and provided the Chaparral community, the residents and neighbors, they provided testimonies and we did community forums in the neighborhood to like educate the people on what's going on, educate them on what would happen if this would build, uh, the money that you'd be paying, kind of the health issues that you'd be experiencing. And then we guided them through testimonies. We let them know the possible risk if El Paso Electric were to retaliate. We made sure that they had protections for anyone that was undocumented or or feared retaliation at work or through their family. So all that, like these 20-year-olds doing all of this. um. (laughs) That must have been super intimidating. But then, like you said, at the same time, like just so exhilarating that that was the momentum you needed to keep going. 
Yeah, and there were a lot of opponents of Newman Six. It didn't seem like it was popular. It would have increased the rates on Texas side exponentially, especially because New Mexico rejected the plan. And so Newman Six, you know, locking us into these fossil fuel projects for the next 20 to 40 years. And they say, well, it's more expensive to go solar and do these renewables. And, and to us, it was like, okay, so in the next 20 to 40 years, when you need to replace Newman 6, it's going to be another billion when you could have invested in renewables. From the beginning. Exactly. And that was a direct result of, El pa of JP Morgan buying El Paso Electric. And so we sued them in June of 2021 was the hearing i believe i hate saying we lost <laughs> you just you just ha got held back a little bit longer you can always come back yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was really really hard yeah um, oh and the people the people that like oh it was really hard i was at that community meeting the last one um with the chapa neighbors Mm -hmm. With attorney David Bach, he uh, represented them pro bono, gave them the settlement agreement uh -huh. um, because he mentioned it, it just essentially came down to El Paso Electric had so much money that they could buy out the community. Um, <laughs> and so we called the or they're called concessions is what the, the group got in return. So they got $400,000 in settlement money from El Paso Electric. They asked for other other concessions such as can you, and just basic things, just very basic, very sad. One of them was, can you put light on this generator, or on this plant, this site, indicating when it's particularly more dangerous to go outside, like when the, the air quality isn't the best, so we can stay inside. Yeah, try our best to protect yeah. ourselves. Exactly. Can you pave our roads so that we're not being like we're not inhaling the particulate matter in this dust every in the dust every time we drive or even every time we walk? They actually said no to that one. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't do that. Like I don't understand because it's like you're already getting away with the thing yeah. that nobody wanted. That's so yeah. dangerous, and now you can't even just be like, "Well, here I'll throw you a bone. Let me just pave your roads." Like no. That that just speaks volumes to how much these corporations do not care about us. And, you know, a lot of people, again, I hate to like harp on like my Gen Xers, but, <laughs> you know, a lot of people in my generation and the older ones, they just don't think that it's necessary to take power away from these corporations. And like the thing is that you don't realize just like everything, just like in nature, the higher up you are, you start you stop relating to the bottom ones. Exactly. And you yeah. don't you don't care anymore. You don't care. And them not wanting to pave the roads. Oh <laughs> like I don't understand. <laughs> they probably could have made a deal with the city to do it. Yeah. Uh, another thing they got was a reduction of emissions from like 60 to 40%, which David, Dr. David Garcia was like, okay, well, if I, if I pour this Gatorade into this cup, he actually used this anomaly. I remember like specifically, uh, and reduce it by 40%. There's still Gatorade in this cup. Yeah. A lot <laughs> and, of it. And a lot. 
yeah another big con or one big concession i think was a moratorium on all fossil fuel projects for the next uh, four years from the time that the agreement or the settlement uh, went into effect which means that el paso electric cannot pursue any um any other permits for the next four years which is huge it gives us yeah a and then they had to agree to shut down the existing generators at the site. And they had till, I believe, the end of January 2023 of this year to do so. And they didn't, they haven't done that. So that's something that we need to hold them accountable for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, those were, those were the concessions or what was provided in the settlement agreement from El Paso Electric through that lawsuit. And that one was a particularly very sad meeting because they were hearing this and, you know, Dr. David, I mean, um, David was trying to keep them hopeful. And he mentioned, but the fight isn't over. Y'all did so much already. And Dr. Garcia's wife, Ida, who has struggled with lung cancer before, mm -hmm. whose daughter that it might be due to her environment mentioned just under her breath, well, I think it's over for me. And I, I, ah, uh, that's hard. This cried. She's such a sweet woman. I often, and you telling me that particular story, I wonder, I think that a lot of the decisions that these big, you know, corporations make, like I said, is because they, they can't relate. Like they were so far detached from their world that in a way they, they don't even remember we exist. They're just kind of like the project in front of them, the benefit that they're going to reap. But I wonder how many of them would really agree to like a like an in-person sitting and like face to face hear each experience like. You know, I like because that's the reason that they're able to not care because they're they're not in front of the person, you know, exactly. and like how awful that I wonder if anybody would like to hear her story, you know, and how do you say, oh, well, sorry, and walk so away. They did. That's essentially their attorney during that lawsuit said that she was lying about having lung cancer. My that God. Yeah, was just trying to call her a liar about this and blaming it on El Paso Electric. So even like even when they do, they are so far removed from they are that. Yeah, yeah. And then when you have all these layers of like you have all these attorneys, you you can't even access them directly. Like there's all these systems in place to even communicate with them. You know, exactly. they, they, they don't care. It's just the whole, if I don't look at it, if I don't pay attention to it, it's not there. And in the meantime, real people are having real issues. You mm -hmm. know, their lives are at and stake. If, if I have enough money to move my family far away from it, it doesn't affect me. Right. And exactly. And then uh, it's just so this is this is what I mean about I love when uh, an organization is led by young people because at my age, the amount of times that you propose change and it doesn't happen, <laughs> you know, you're just like, you want to bang your head against the wall, you know, but 
it's important to, to keep going. So, you know, new generation brings new life, new perspective, new momentum, new ways of thinking, better, better equipped even, you know. And with that, I want to ask, I think there's something, a proposition that you guys are leading right now, and it's Proposition K, I believe, right? Can yeah. you tell us about that, please, and how people listening can help? Yeah, the climate charter. The climate charter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was actually a direct result of the Newman Six poll campaign. And so with the four hundred thousand that I mentioned the the community got, they actually awarded Sunrise El Paso with a hundred thousand of that to run a campaign and that hundred thousand funded fifty percent of the first phase of the campaign, <laughs> which was the signature gathering, which mm -hmm. was the and the signature gathering. And so uh, an attorney from Texas, his name is Mike Siegel. Uh, he's also the executive director of a group called Ground Game Texas, reached out and mentioned that he wants Sunrise El Paso, or he wants to support Sunrise El Paso in creating I'm a charter. Oh, wow. Yeah, for the city. And when we met with Mike initially, there wasn't, it wasn't this. It, it, we kind of spoke for months before we came up with the idea that we wanted to draft this mm -hmm. huge piece of legislation. And, and the way it was drafted is that everything passes together, essentially. And, okay. and there were people within the group that were really involved in the drafting portion of it. Um, I wasn't as involved. I was still kind of recovering. your feet. <laughs> yeah. Or recovering. Yeah. Six, yeah yes. Oh, yeah. That was hard. Six, yeah. That was yeah. the first time I ever seriously considered leaving the movement. <laughs> but mm. there were others that that we're doing that and I can name drop some for a few. I mean, okay. name drop a few and they're still within the group. Um, so there's one, her name is Christian, who at the time was living in New York and she was kind of running these by her professors. Uh-huh. Yeah, to make sure that it looked good, you know, okay. through a legal review that everything looked good. Uh-huh. Um, and then there was Luis Miranda, who actually was the campaign manager for the first portion of the climate charter, uh, did a lot of drafting. There was Miguel Escoto, who was one of the founders of mm -hmm. this movement, who helped um, create a lot of the the provisions within the climate charter because like he had been fighting El Paso Electric since the beginning, so um, knew what he wanted to include in there. And then there was Rachel Ortega, who is our now current hub coordinator, who also helped come up with a lot of points. And so they worked together. And I'm so sorry if I'm missing anyone <laughs> <laughs> with, with uh, the lawyers here and with Mike and a lot of the community groups to make sure that everything looked good. And so the drafting phase ran from, if I'm not mistaken, it ran for about six months, like a okay. good of months of just and, drafting it putting it together editing okay correct yes and then in january of 2022 so last year is when we officially launched the first phase of signature gathering 
the city required that we submit 20,000 signatures on this petition, 20,000 valid signatures. And what valid meant is that they had to live within El Paso county lines or city lines. Uh, they had to be a registered voter and their signature just had to be valid. So they had to have every spot on the petition filled out, which was mm -hmm. like a name, signature, your address, your date of birth, which a lot of people are so hesitant to give. We hired a campaign manager, Luis, and then we hired a deputy campaign manager, and then we hired some field organizers and some canvassers. I was a canvasser along with another member of Sunrise El Paso, his name is Marlo Olguin, who collected so many signatures, it was insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's really hard. I don't, I don't think people listening, I mean, unless you have direct experience with it, but that's really hard to do because I witnessed just a little bit of Justicia Fronteriza's, like the canvassers signing and, you know, getting signatures. And it's really hard because, first of all, you have to understand people are going to be rude, most of them. You know, you have to not take it personal. And then, like, just to sit there and and explain over and over and over like it's really really hard so when 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 i see people collecting signatures i know how much works into that so yeah. it's very personal yeah <laughs> we would also knock on people's doors mm -hmm. their signatures which was quite intimidating yeah so the city required those 20,000 valid signatures and in june forget that June of 2022, we submitted to the city clerk our 39,100 uh, 39, something signatures to the city clerk, which was almost 40,000, almost double what they of required. Of what they were, yeah. Yeah, so we probably talked to about 100,000 people in the city during those six or so months. And then on August 2nd, city council officially put us on the ballot on the November 22 ballot. No, sorry. Um, so we were calling for the November 2022 ballot. They put us on the May 2023 ballot. That, which is coming up. Which is coming up. And okay. so um, during that meeting, we had a huddle, um, our little Sunrise group with Mike Siegel on speakerphone about the pros and cons of being on a May 2023 ballot. And essentially or eventually, sorry, we thought, yeah, that's good for us. Uh, let's, let's go for May 2023. And so we were on the ballot August 2nd of 2022. And then we started then the, the uh, second phase, which is the, the pledge, the voter pledge phase. Mm -hmm. And I can back up a little and tell you what the climate charter is. <laughs> yes. 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 So that people listening know what it is. So when you see it on the ballot, uh, the Climate Charter, also known as Prop K, Proposition K, will be on the ballot in May, on May 6th. And what we're calling for with the Climate Charter, essentially three main things. So we want the city to publish a feasibility study on what it would cost, what the process would be of making a Paso Electric a municipalized public entity owned by the city, no longer by J.P. Morgan. We want to do that because we want our electricity rates to depend on El Paso, basically El Paso income, the average income. We don't yes. want it to the national energy rates that JP Morgan sets because within the past 
year since JP two or year or two since JP Morgan bought El Paso Electric. Rates have increased maybe two or three times. Yeah. My mom say, and then a lot of people while I'm canvassing say, yeah, my rates have increased twice in the past year. And it doesn't matter usage because a person that can use half of what I use will still have to pay that higher rate. Yeah. And so that's why we want to call for for that feasibility study. City Council says it'll be it'll cost so much to buy El Paso Electric back from JP Morgan and what we say is, well, you shouldn't have let them in the first place. I know. <laughs> but here we are. So <laughs> the second major point of the climate charter is that we want to create some green jobs in the city. So we want to create jobs. We want to create the climate department within the city. This climate department will consist of climate director. <laughs> and what the director will do is make sure that we are within our non-attainment numbers. So uh, the attorney that represented the Chaparral community, David mm-hmm. Bach, the EPA, for not okay. making non-attainment. And he did that because they were just over-polluting and yeah. no one was regulating this. And so that climate director will make sure that that is being regulated. Okay. Uh, they'll make sure that we are doing starting this shift to renewable energy than not investing in any more or not investing like we have been in any more fossil fuel projects mm-hmm. another major point of the climate charter is conserving the water so the largest consumer of our city's water uh, and the largest customer of el paso water are the gas plants and so they have these big tanks and there's actually if you go to the newman six site actually just expanded the t- or built in a water tub and it's huge it just holds so much water that could be saved or conserved for households yeah and i don't know about you but my family doesn't we didn't grow up drinking from the tap like it's, it's yeah that. yeah neither neither do we because our water is dirty there's so many minerals in it because of the gas plants the fracking the hydraulic fracking mm-hmm. that they once they like push it underground, all of those minerals also get deposited into that water, which goes into our faucets and our sinks. And uh, the Gar- the Garcias and Chaparral have actually needed to replace their private water wells like every five to 10 years when the lifespan oh. of these the 40. And that's because of all of that being yeah. and fracking. And so, so it's to conserve the water and make sure that it's clean and there are people within El Paso water that say, yeah, we, we sell all of our, mostly all of our water to the, to the gas plants. I think that that's why it's so important for people to, to maybe even attend, even just out of curiosity to attend maybe meetings like, you know, your organization or others, whatever they have available to them, because mm-hmm. People get overwhelmed when you just start throwing things like, oh, El Paso, you know, electric is right now screwing us over or, you know, don't drink out of your tap water. Like people, people need to sit down and hear like this. This is what's happening. This is why this is how it's directly impacting your pockets. This is how it's directly impacting the environment that your children and grandchildren are going to live in. This is how it's impacting your health now. When you make it personal like that and people start to see that direct impact, then they get, then they want to go, they want to know and they get involved. 
And that's why I think organizing the way that you guys are doing and so many others are doing is so valuable because essentially your job, yes, you're fighting. Yes, you're you're organizing and saying, this is what we're going to tackle on now. But essentially what you're doing is you're now bringing awareness and you're informing people, which mm -hmm. is something that, you know, what do they say? Ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. And that's how big corporations and everybody around profiting from the city and the community, they want us to stay ignorant to these things exactly. because it's they just keep doing whatever they're doing and they're benefiting from, you know, our health deteriorating, from our environment getting worse and worse. Like, The solutions they bring to the table are not real solutions. They're just solutions that are going to bring them more money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And when we start to speak up and when we start to learn and speak out, they get scared. And they, like we saw with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce study um, that I don't believe has been publicly released, they spread disinformation. What they said about the climate charter is that we will cost the city 51% of its jobs if it were to pass, which is untrue. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking somewhere along our conversation that I think a lot of the fear of moving forward in a more environmentally friendly perspective or, or lifestyle is that people are afraid of losing their jobs and people, yeah. all they always hit us with, there's not going to be enough jobs. There's not going to be enough jobs. And so What what do you say to someone whose fear is that? We're not costing anyone their jobs, their livelihoods. We actually want to transition them into safer jobs and jobs mm -hmm. that could pay them more. There is so much untapped potential within the renewable energy world that we need people to build this infrastructure for um, solar and for wind and for water and whatnot. We need people to work on conserving the lands. We need people to study the lands and how we can rebuild those back up, how we can regenerate them. We need people to plug up these wells. Those people that are in the oil field, they know about this. They know the ins and outs of this. If we stop the fracking, your job will then just transfer. To Shift, right? Like your skills are needed, but just in a more positive, <laughs> beneficial way. Yeah, yeah, for you, your health. The jobs that the, these oil field workers, they are dangerous. They're mm -hmm. being every day. They're around this, like they're in the vicinity, like just in close um, proximity to these things. They don't even realize what this is going to cause them in the future. Yeah, like the knowledge and the skills that they have can just be transferred. We don't mm -hmm. want to cost anyone their job. And... And yeah, we have the goal of decarbonizing by 2030 or 2045 or so. El Paso Electric, if you go on their website and look at their reports, they have the same goals. So we are just like, so why aren't they attacked? Why aren't they being accused of, of costing jobs? Mm -hmm. What they're actually going to do? You know, all of, like, no, <laughs> this will not cause jobs. It will create a shift in a better workforce for the long run for the short term as well mm -hmm. you, there's a lot of money in in renewable energy generation and infrastructure and so that's what that's what i have to say to that yeah. <laughs> that, that's all i have to say about that sir yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but you know it for anybody listening 
First of all, if you're not registered to vote, please get registered to vote. Is there a website that you guys have or you that they can check out? There is a website. And let me let look me it up. Yes. <laughs> you the website because El Paso Electric actually kind of like. Did it switch the words? It kind of did to, to make it seem like. Like it was theirs? Yeah. That's and crazy. Our website is alpasoclimate.org, but if you go to alpasoclimate.com, it'll link you to their it'll take you to their website. Oh, okay. So alpasoclimate.org is it's you not, okay, it's, it's yours. Not dot com. Dot yeah. com will send you somewhere else. It'll okay. send you to El Paso Electric. And there you can read about the climate charter. Okay. Uh, a little history of our group and the campaign. You can take the pledge to vote, um, which when you take the pledge, you'll get a reminder of when early voting starts. Okay. Uh, get like reminders to make sure that you're registered to vote, um, where your polling locations are, what's on the ballot, whatnot. Uh, and then you can, there's opportunities to join us. So if you wanted to canvas with us or a volunteer that's on our website and then you could read the press releases that we have um which we're weary about media because they always like like they always mix up i know i know you know what this is why i like podcasting (laughs) because it's so like it's not regulated i guess it could be dangerous too because it's not regulated but you know it also gives you more flexibility to be like you're hearing it straight from the mouth of whoever's saying it uh, yeah, that's why I like this better. <laughs> you can hit, like look at our past community education forums. Um, okay. So a lot about like the history of the, the, the Permian Basin and its connection to El Paso. And then you can donate to the cause. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because yeah. you know what? I feel like which I was going to ask you, like, how our listeners can, you know, because maybe they feel like, oh, nothing they're saying applies to me in terms of how I can help. But even if you don't donate a dollar, five bucks, like whatever you can, that's still making an impact. Oh, yeah, 100%. We're, it's grassroots, I would regret, like, any money matters to a grassroots campaign. Mm-hmm. Which and is the we, way to go, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we have to, like pursue funders because it's such a big undertaking and mm-hmm. we're running a huge campaign, you know, and uh, we want to hire people. We don't want people to do free labor so that we can, you know, back up that, that these green jobs will <laughs> provide. provide. Yeah. So cool. Well, Angel, this was really fun. I mean, I'm sure there's so much more to discuss and say, but I know that this is like pressing for time because the ballot is going to have the proposition, the climate charter on May 6th, correct? That's when it's going to people. Okay. And so it's pressing time. And I just really wanted to in some way help get that out there. So for anybody listening one more time, you can check out their website. You guys are on Instagram as well as Sunrise Sunrise El Paso. Um, Do you guys have a Facebook as well? Sunrise El Paso, then Twitter at Sunrise El Paso. <laughs> okay, so I'm. What I'll do is I always under an episode I always publish links to find you know people or organizations. So I'll do that for you, and then. But again, 
stay alert, go take the pledge to vote so that you can get reminders, you can get all your info about polling, right? So there's no excuses, you know where to go, what times, and then also support in any way you can, either volunteering, donating, even even sharing with others, right? The bigger the message, the more the people come. The more the people come, the more the proponents come. And yes, exactly. Yes. Visit climateelpaso.org. Org, org, people, org at the end, not com, org. <laughs> Angel, thank you so much for coming on. Say hi to everyone. Thank him for their efforts because this affects everyone in the community, right? And even, and I'm sure a lot of people take it for granted. So thank you on behalf of everyone for your efforts, for your work, for your hope and your energy. And we will, I mean, best of luck for Proposition Kate. Yeah, you, you gave a little shout out to everyone and some good luck and a big shout out to our campaign manager. Yes, <laughs> everyone, yes. everyone involved. Thank you so much and like keep going forward.